Well, just as they did the previous two weeks, the Buffalo Bills somehow are still undefeated for the start of the 2019 season. They defeat the Cincinnati Bengals 21-17 in a game that looked like they were going to dominate and then looked like they were going to lose. And then they came back to win with another game-winning touchdown drive from, from Josh Allen. But we'll go over all of it as we uh, move forward here. Thank you all for listening to The Buffalo Beat. However, you are listening to us, to us, whether it's on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, whatever, or right on the, athletic, uh, on the Athletics Podcast Service. Thank you for taking the time out and, and joining us. With me, as always, Matthew Fairburn. Matthew, this game, this team... Kind of indicative of uh, what we know of of them. Not terribly consistent, yet still with the gumption to do what they need to do with the game on the line. Yeah, I would say this was the least convincing of the Bills' three wins so far. And it reminded me a bit of Week 1 against the Jets. It was imperfect in a lot of ways, but like we said then and and. Like we said after week two, I mean, it's better to win those games than to lose them. And this Bills team seems to find a way to win in the sense that when the game matters, when it's close, when it's a one-score game, they have the horses on both sides of the ball to come up with that drive or come up with that stop. And that's what they did in this game. Josh Allen wasn't perfect today. He wasn't, you know, he made... You know, one of his worst throws of the season and with that interception. But he had another drive where it just felt like it's the first time in a while where they get the ball down three points, four points, and you feel like they're going to drive the field and threaten to score. And they're doing it with regularity. And then, you know, down four or up four, you know, with the Bengals getting the ball, I think at that point, the way this crowd was and the way the defense played for most of the game, you felt like, yeah, Andy Dalton is not driving on this team to win the game. And so as imperfect as they've been through three games and as unimpressive as the competition has been in each of their first three games, they're you know sort of using and, and exercising that, that muscle, if you will, of winning late in games and getting used to what that feels like to come through in the biggest moments. And so you can nitpick this one and I'm sure we will. We'll, you know, and there's plenty to, to criticize, but when it mattered, the bill's best players came through and that's what happens with, with teams that win and that the rest of this conference isn't that good. There's going to be a lot of teams that are as beatable as the Bengals that they play coming up you know, between now and the end of the season. So learning how to win these games in the second half is pretty important. Is a game like this going to work next week against New England? No, no. but uh, I, it worked this week, and it's worked the first two weeks, and they're 3-0 and for the first time since 2011. So uh, life isn't too bad right now for these Buffalo Bills. No, certainly not. This, uh, this team, much like the Jets game, too, um, where Josh Allen came out really hot. I mean, that first half 
mostly like the first quarter and a half or so. He was he was great in this game against the Bengals. And kind of the same way that it went against the Jets, that first drive, he was electric and then turned the ball over at the end. And then it just kind of, you know, he, he had some nice throws here and there. But overall, they just weren't able to move the ball. And past the past their second, uh, or I should say their their final field goal uh, of of the first half, they really weren't able to push it down the field too much more. Um, the third quarter was not great at all for Allen. He had ended up only completing two of six passes for three yards with an interception, and probably what should have been another interception. Uh, where he didn't look off the safety or didn't even see the safety uh, and thought he had Robert Foster on a deep shot, and it just did not happen. Uh, the defender ended up dropping the ball, but um, still, that uh, that was a a could-have-been bad moment for Josh, where, where it's a bad throw that, that shapes how you think about his game. But again, like that Jets game, the fourth quarter came around, and most significantly, the final drive of the game after the Bills had gone down by three points. And Josh Allen comes out, completes two passes for 56 yards, including reading the defense well enough to see that Dawson Knox was going to be wide open on the left side of the offense. And got it to him in stride. Knox was able to turn it upfield, do what he did at the end of the run, which is going to... Probably not going to leave the mind of um, of fans, at least for a few weeks here. But then after that, coupled it with rushing the ball, scrambling twice for 21 yards. Josh Allen on that final drive accounted for 77 of the 78 yards to get into the end zone. The only one that wasn't his was the Frank Gore touchdown. So again, we're seeing Allen step up when they need him to most. And that is a an incredibly hard thing to find in in quarterbacks in general let alone the young quarterbacks where they're somehow able to mentally process things so that way the moment does become too big for them and i think that in itself is an encouragement now he needs to iron out all the rest of the stuff where he where he disappears every once in a while but by and large this was this was an encouragement um, that he was able to do the same thing he did in New Jersey again this week and to help snatch a victory for them again, which they could have been one and two to start the year very easily if it wasn't for Allen stepping it up late in the game. And that should have the Bills feeling pretty good, regardless of the times where he, he looks a bit flawed. Yeah, he's yet to put together a complete game this season that has you feeling good start to finish you don't think the Giants game was it was I thought it was they slowed down significantly in the second half and it wasn't a bad second half it was just not like we talked about before the season where the bar should be right and was that his most complete game of the season last week yes but uh, I think I don't think he was necessarily bad in the second half last week I just don't think he was really good and you know, you're still waiting for that start to finish, you know, big time game where he puts up the big numbers, throws, you know, three touchdowns or something like that. Um, raising the bar, raising the standard a little bit. He's still 
getting by though 200 plus yards again today uh just shy of 250 and contributing on the ground but being able to do what he did in big in that big moment shows that they're going to have a chance to win most games and there's going to be teams that are a lot better than the Bengals, Jets and Giants and one of them's coming to town next weekend but when those things do get big and important and their things aren't going perfectly he has the ability to drive this team down the field and pick up chunks of yardage with big plays with his arm and his legs and that's all you really need to to flip games sometimes turnovers matter but big plays are just as important in a lot of ways and Mm -hmm. the bills have been winning the big play battle more often than not they limit them on defense and they create them on offense. And coupled with turnovers, that's a a significant part of the formula for what the Bills are doing uh, and and how they're trying to build a winning team. And I think the way Allen plays is tailored very nicely to that. And, uh, you know, that drive and, and the way he played early in this game, that was enough of a cushion for them. And in the past, they haven't really had that. Um, they They haven't been able to build up that cushion early in the game or when they fall behind you feel like they're gonna lose i mean you could feel it even in the stadium today where they fell behind in the fourth quarter and it was a here we go again type of feeling yeah that oh shit moment and all it took was that dawson knox 49 yard completion for things to flip completely and Mm -hmm. everybody remembered that maybe this team is a little bit different and i think it's already fair to say that they are different yeah because in the last five years, they haven't had a lot of these moments where they come back late in games. And the one-score margins will you know, flip those games. You're not always going to win all of them, but to have a team that's built to win those close games is a huge boost. And there's some definite luck involved. I think they got a little fortunate today, but they're putting themselves in a position to get lucky by the way that they play on both sides of the ball. So... Another an, another positive uh, game, I think, from Allen and from this team that, that has you feeling like they can contend. At this point, I expect them to be a playoff team, Yeah, quite frankly. At 3-0, and I think it would be as disappointing, if not more disappointing, than any of the previous fast starts that have fizzled out, uh, you know, be it 08 when they were 4 and 0 or 11 when they were 3 and 0 this would be as big a disappointment because i think this team is probably more talented yeah definitely more talented i think um and and certainly we don't know what's going to happen from an injury perspective and that played a role in some of those those past fizzle outs but that just goes to show the depth or the lack of depth with those those teams way back when as opposed to what the bills have going on um, this year, and I and I think I I know I know where you're coming from with with the Giants game, and I think because he um, because he hasn't really had a great start to finish game, that Giants game was his best start to finish game because of you know they kind of pulled the reins off and and weren't really going as hard at it in the second half, which. I think he pro- if the game was closer, I think I think he probably would have wound up with a three hundred yard passing game in in that in that one because what he end up with two fifty three 
or something. But once um, once it became pretty clear that they were going to come away with a victory there, they kind of kind of moved away from that. But that's just to your point. Like we need to see like a full coast to coast effort. But for now, that one's his gold standard. But in terms of what what we're looking at for this season, it's hard not to to think about think about what could be this year. I don't even think next week against the the Patriots is a gauge game, because quite frankly, I think this Bills team is good, and they're probably ahead of schedule from where I thought they were going to be. Um, in this part of their rebuild, but this is a good team. And comparatively uh, to the rest of the AFC, which you pointed out, it just continues to lead to belief that they should at least be right in the conversation, right to the bitter end for, for a wild card spot. And probably pushing for a five seed if if all goes well this year and, and injuries don't occur. And I know fans aren't used to hearing that stuff, but this is not a normal Bills team. This is not something we've come across, or at least this is my 10th year on the beat. I can't, I can't recall another team that has shown as much mental toughness as, as this one, that has as much depth of talent as this one does. And I was there for the 2011 team, and that team was really fun to, to watch and to cover. They had some cool personalities in there. But there was always something missing. Like in that stretch, the the two uh, I mean they the two games that they won that to get them to three and zero they gave up thirty plus points in those games. This team they're giving up under twenty points a game every single week. That's a great defense. And as long as you have an offense competent enough that have the ability to show big plays, that just that gives you everything you need. So if you have a defense that's allowing 20 or fewer and an offense that's getting you to 21, you're in great shape. It's really that simple. Math. Yeah, I don't think, you know, I don't know how good this Bills team is. I think it's a good team. I don't know if it's a really good. good team or a great team or anything like that. I think it's very clearly a good team relative to the rest of the conference. If this team were in the NFC, I don't think we'd be talking about them quite the same way in terms of punching their ticket to the postseason. It's hard to say. You know, I mean, uh, if they were in the right spot in the NFC, maybe they could make it work. But just look around the conference. There's not that much standing between them and a postseason berth. I mean, the Titans got beat handily by the Jaguars on Thursday Night Football. You've got, what, the Chargers, the Texans, the Chiefs, the Ravens, and the Patriots, mm-hmm. who you would consider legitimate playoff contenders. Then you've got the Titans flirting with it, but not looking all that great. Nope. And they'll they'll hang in there and win their games because they have a good defense. That was a tough and, loss on Thursday for them. And they, you know, they have, you know, enough. They th- There's a reason they always seem to fight to nine and seven is because they've got enough talent on defense. But I don't know that you're looking around this conference or looking at the schedule and saying that, that they can't beat most of the teams on their schedule. Uh, you, you just, that doesn't mean that they're a great team or that they've arrived, but it means that 
the expectation needs to shift to the point where making the playoffs should be expected of this group. Mm-hmm. And you need to take advantage of, you know, to go as long as they did without making the playoffs is just not taking advantage of years like this and things like this when the conference is just down. You know, Andrew Luck retires unexpectedly before the season. Ben Roethlisberger goes down for the year. That's two teams that should have been in the mix. Nick Foles out for the year, which may have been a good thing for the Jaguars. Who knows? Um, but all these injuries and and things that happened set the table for you to to make the playoffs. And they've gotten off to the type of start where that can now be expected because they took care of business with three wins early in the season, three wins they should have had, three wins they got. As ugly as they might have been at times, Mm -hmm. they got them. And I think you're right. If they lose to the Patriots by whatever score, I don't think it matters because that's probably what most people are expecting. Right now the Patriots have an 89-point margin of victory in their three wins. They're is that good? They're blowing teams out. I think that's and, good. I mean, they again, they played. They played the Dolphins and the Jets. The yeah, last two yeah, weeks, but, but you know they what? They played the Steelers. They didn't cover today. That's right, barely, <laughs> barely. Um, oh, did they? No, they didn't. No, yeah, they didn't. Um, but they covered against the Dolphins. Yes, they did. The Dolphins did not cover today either. They oh. had like a twenty-plus point spread. But so the Patriots are probably going to come in here and win. I don't know that it'll be a complete blowout, but you know that doesn't mean that the Bills can't come out the following week and beat the Titans and go into the bye week four and one, mm-hmm. and you know come out and and win a few of those games they have coming out of the bye week at home. So there, that's where I you know toe the line with this team of I don't know if they're a playoff team most years, but I know it's good enough to be a playoff team in the AFC this year. Mm -hmm. And it's an opportunity that they can't let slip away because you may not think that this is the end-all be-all, right? Year three of this regime, year two under Josh Allen, there's so much ahead of this team and so much, and all that's true, but you can't really replace the value of playing meaningful football late in the season playing playoff football and building on that. And you also don't know when these opportunities will pop up again. You don't know, like you mentioned, when you'll be the team that deals with injuries at quarterback. Mm -hmm. You don't know what this roster will look like when you have to extend guys like Poyer and White and, you know, these guys, Matt Milano, that'll be due for substantial contracts uh, in the not-too-distant future. You just don't know when these opportunities will pop up again, which... Bills fans should know well, given how long they went without the playoffs here. So this is a, a crucial stretch. Um, and I think past Bills teams have put too much into the Patriots game and let seasons kind of slide off the tracks a little bit because of it. A loss there does not cripple them. No, nope. Two losses to the Patriots. And I know people are like, oh, they should go for the division. And, and yeah, of course, that's what they're doing. But, you know, history tells us that the Patriots own the division. Until they don't, of course. Until Tom Brady slips off and, and something happens. So far, that hasn't happened. Could happen next week. Who knows? But 
even if it doesn't, it doesn't need to send things sideways. This team can still win 10, maybe even 11 games with the schedule they have, the talent they have, and their ability to win late in games as they've shown. So yes, these three wins are against slappy teams, but in the past they would have gone two and one or one and two and found ways to screw it up. This team is finding ways to win these games. Now see, I don't need, I, the Giants are definitely a slappy team. Well, well they, they were, weren't they, this week. They were with Eli Manning. I don't think the Jets were necessarily a slappy team in week one because they still had Sam Darnold, whether or not he was playing with Mono, who, who knows. Yeah, and, he wasn't quite right. And They'll be better. They'll be a tougher out late in the season, assuming they can get healthy. And to be honest, despite their 0-3 record, the Bengals are not a slappy team. They barely uh, came away. They they almost came away with a victory in Seattle in week one. Last week, they got embarrassed at home. So that that was not a great result for them. But everything, like, they, they have talent. And they're also, they might be missing some guys, but... They do have talent on both sides of the ball to the point in which they kept it close in this game. And they made adjustments, and they started getting Tyler Boyd involved in the second half. How about this for an adjustment? The first half, Tyler Boyd had one catch for negative three yards. The second half, he had five catches for 70. Like, that that's their guy when A.J. Green's not available to them and when Tyler Eifert isn't the same guy anymore and, and how John Ross is unable to do anything against zone coverage. Like, uh, they they got him into into some space. They got Joe Mixon going. So ba- the Bengals aren't a slappy team. They have a they have a shit record right now, but they, they're not a slappy team. I think I they're guess. a slappy team. No, I don't. I don't think so. I, I think they're probably going to finish right near the bottom of that division, if not right at the bottom of it. And I mean, they could, but they could have a top ten, even a top five. But the simple fact the is that it. they pushed this Bills team at home. So I don't think they're a slap. And they pushed the Seattle Seahawks, which are a good team at home. So I don't think they're a slappy team at all. But they got pounded. They're 0-3. They've got an offensive line that is yeah, the, the offensive know, line a sucks. complete mess. Yeah, no, no, they're without their best no player doubt. in A.J. Green. Uh, the defense has plenty of holes. They've got Preston Brown as sort of the mainstay on their defense. Not They're not the Dolphins. I guess mm-hmm. the Dolphins have set a new standard for slappy teams. Um, so they're a... They're a notch or two below in slap level, uh, the Dolphins. Ooh, is this a new hashtag, slap level? The Dolphins are like peak it. slap level. Peak slap level. The, Here we are. You want a lower slap level, a low slap quotient. And the Bengals <laughs> have a lower <laughs> slap quotient than the Dolphins do. But I'm they, just picturing people <laughs> listening right now and going, oh, yeah, a, yeah, a low slap quotient, of course, of course. And, and I think the Bengals, I think all three of these teams actually are similar in that they're just not good teams, the Giants, Jets, and, and Bengals. Maybe by the end of the season that'll be different, but uh, they none of them look all that great as opposed to some of the teams that are going to come in here where you, you say, all right, these are some good teams, you know, the, the Patriots and Eagles are are the next two teams to visit New Era Field. Those are, you know, very low slap quotient teams, yes, and yes. they'll they'll bring it as such. Um, but beating even the below average teams consistently is enough, usually, to put yourself in playoff contention. Oh yeah, and the Bills have done that, and yeah. they don't always do that. So, a nice welcome change. Yeah, for sure. Um, in terms of the rest of the game today uh i i'd like to point out again 
and, and I'm probably going to be a broken record here, but whatever. It's It's been impressive. I really like how Brian Dable calls offensive games. I really do. The way he he's able to find the weakness of the opponent. There was a quote from um, from Preston Brown after the game where they, uh, of course, they were doing film study on um, on the Bills and what they were doing. And surely they, they saw the involvement of Isaiah McKenzie and things like that. Um, and he was asked about what they were doing differently in the first half. And he said they were doing a lot of jet sweeps and a lot of pullers. The pullers were taken to the ball on film, but this week the pullers were the misdirection. So Dable, knowing what the Bengals were anticipating from film, did the complete opposite of that to gain an advantage in the first half. And it gave them a lot of pretty good uh, chunk plays, like the McKenzie, um, Dawson Knox on a TE uh, jet sweep. We'll we'll reverse there. He... uh, Dable just kind of seems a step ahead. And again, he's attacking the weakness of the defense, going after the the edges uh, of this Bengals defense because their linebackers suck in trying to make uh, tackles in space. Um, going after uh, the Bengals' zone coverage and, and keeping them honest and making them show that, that they can, they're not going to have a big bust in coverage, which, crap. I mean, they, they really... Did not show that even right to the bitter end of the of the game with the Dawson Knox bust in coverage where he was wide open. This is uh, I'm just through three games. I'm about as impressed as I could be for an offensive coordinator who's basically jumbling all of these new pieces together and spitting out result after result, especially when it comes down into the clutch. Now the defense, of course earns a lot of the credit here, but for what Dable has been able to do in such a short time with this group, basically that it's entirely new, is like their starting receivers are different. Zay Jones is getting about 40% of snaps. Robert Foster is getting about 20. So th- this is an entirely new thing. And, you know, kudos to that guy because he's, he, he's bringing the heat right now. Typical St. Francis homerism. Not St. Francis homerism. The, the guy is calling great Classic. You, classic. You Joe can't. B you can't. St. Franny's love. I know. No, Dave's is doing a good job. Yeah. He's he's out there calling a pretty good offense. He's got, I think the the chemistry between he and Josh Allen is really strong. Also and, typical Fairburn for calling him Dave's. Well, it's Dave's. You know, he's <laughs> he's a football guy. You Sorry. can't call him by his full full name. Uh, no good football guy is without a nickname. But he and Josh Allen are much more collaborative about this offense because Allen understands it a lot better and has su- such better ownership uh, over it. And I think that type of thing is helps take an offense to the next level where you can be unpredictable week to week and you can mix things up because you can count on players to execute it, whereas last couple of years, uh, particularly last year, you know, I, I mean, so many young players, an inexperienced quarterback, it just, you're not going to have the same, uh, you know, level of execution on a down-to-down basis. And so you can't call the game the way you really want to. Now he can get a lot more creative because there's a lot of ways for them to to beat teams. 
Dawson Knox is a great example today. I mean, that guy's he's a good player. And young tight ends take some time to develop and all that. But the one thing you usually wonder about with young tight ends is, you know, the ability to block. And that guy gets after it uh, in the running game. He had a couple of drops today. You know, he had his, his bad moments. But that catch and run was big time. Oh, yeah. Uh, running that guy over was... Uh, it, it lit a spark in this crowd again, and that was a, a massive, massive play. And that's just an example of finding a way to get that guy the ball, and they used him on a jet sweep at one point, uh, which was kind of funny, but he's got the athleticism to pull it off. But between him, Isaiah McKenzie, who's been used as a little bit of a gadget, you know, the mainstays, Cole Beasley and John Brown, they just find ways to to get different guys involved. And they, they were without arguably their, their best offensive weapon in Devin Singletary today and still found a way to run the ball uh, due to the different runs they mixed in. So I think Brian Dable is finally, after a long time in the league, getting to you know coach an offense that has some legitimate talent. And it's starting to show up in, in how, you know, in the results he's getting. And particularly when they need points, you know, you see, you've seen them get off to, you know, a fast start today. And then when they need points on that final drive, having the plays they're confident in calling to, to dial up and, and, you know, get the result they want. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's, let's do some awards, uh, because it, you know, some, some ups and downs. I think the, the awards are a little bit easier this time around to, uh, to get it going, so we'll we'll start off with um, the Matt Barkley Award for the most pleasant surprise of the day, and I think I think we can both agree on this. It's got to be Dawson Knox, right? Absolutely. No, no, no other person is deserving of this award than Dawson Knox, who really didn't have much of an impact in the passing game until today, and was able to shake off that big drop down near the five yard line that that would have set him up, um, and wound up catching perhaps the biggest pass of the entire game and trucked a guy uh, to, to do it, to gain almost 50 yards. So, yeah, uh, Dawson Knox, no uh, His first no debate here. touchdown catch since his junior year of high school. He broke his leg his senior year of high school while playing quarterback in the first game and then did not, oddly did not have a touchdown at Ole Miss mm-hmm. and had the one-yarder today and then the – decisive 49 yard catch so big time big time game from him and he's uh he's a guy that i think will get more and more involved it's funny it's kind of why the whole tyler croft thing felt like no big deal yeah uh and not to downplay what i'm sure it meant for tyler i'm sure it was a a bummer and uh you know he he didn't um, expect that to pop up late in the week with the ankle injury but his team doesn't desperately need him. Um, you know, they've gotten by without a ton of production from that position, and then Dawson Knox was able to sprinkle some in today. So uh, they'll be glad to have Croft back, but Knox is a bit of a weapon for them as well, and I would expect them to continue to find ways to use both of those guys when they're healthy. Also, uh, by the way, uh, Tyler Croft was in a walking boot coming out of the locker room today. So sometimes that it's precautionary. Sometimes Somewhat it's not. standard on an yeah. ankle, yeah, just to reduce swelling in the 
immediate aftermath, but right. certainly worse than not being in a walk. Yeah, 100%. Um, next up, we have the Dree Archer Award for the player that did not show up in this game. Um, I would say yeah, go for it. TJ Yeldon. He did show up. He had 49 yards, so he wasn't invisible. Yeah. But I thought he really squandered an opportunity when he could have. I mean, you could certainly. I mean, with the Drury Archer, you could just be like, oh, who who didn't have any catches? Robert Foster. Easy. But Mm -hmm. that's not always the best way to do it. Uh, I, I felt like TJ Yeldon was not very effective, and he could have been. He he had he had his chances, and um, I know he really let down Uncle Tim's fantasy team, and so I I gotta give the uh, I gotta give the Dree Archer Award to T.J. Yeldon. How do you feel about that, Tim Graham? It uh, it wouldn't have helped me either way, and it's one of those fantasy losses that's easy to take because no matter how I would have adjusted my lineup, I wouldn't have had enough points to win. So I can easily dismiss it as. Nothing ventured, nothing gained. So you feel good? No, I don't mind it. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not troubled by it. He did get you more points than James White did. Today. It's not going to stick with me. <laughs> um, since since you're you're in the house, do you want to give away the uh, the Vontae Davis Award for the player that didn't show up in the second half? Oh, uh, on the spot. Oh, uh, well. TJ Elton, you just did that, didn't yeah. you? Yeah, he, he gets two awards. Can he get two? He's got a lot of hardware going it's, home it's tonight. It's like one of those uh, scholastic events where uh, you go home with a red ribbon and a and a blue ribbon. Good for TJ Elton. I'm oh. sure he'll hang those on his fridge. I can't really. Nobody else is coming to mind. I've got one, actually. Um, this, is, this goes to the player that doesn't show up in, in the second half. I'll go John Brown. Had three catches for 48 in the first half. Wound up on the day. Four for 51. Four for 51. So he only had one catch for 13 yards in the second half. So one catch for three yards. Didn't you say 48 in the first half? Did I? Or did I say 38? Oh, yeah. One catch for three yards. So that's... That's a good candidate. Thank you. Thank you for correcting me because I thought it was actually <laughs> better. Okay. Yeah. John Brown, second half. No show. Dig Wh- it. Where was that guy? All right, come on, Darlene. He was moldering in the grave. John Brown was? John Brown's body was moldering in the grave. <laughs> you could say that. I don't, I don't even know what that means. People are Googling it right now. <laughs> it's, some, it's a thing. Please don't Google and drive. It's an actual thing. Um, it was clever what I just said, and I stand by it. <laughs> uh, what do you got for come on, Darlene, here, Fairburn? I'm going to go with... I've been mulling this one over for a couple of days, actually. Wow. This was an early week candidate. And given the way that the Bills couldn't sustain their their vigor throughout the game, I think this came into play. Whoever, my come on, Darlene, goes to whoever is in charge of the weight room playlist at One Bills Drive. Because oh, this is great. on one day early in the week, there were back-to-back songs of Buck Cherry, Creed, and Creed. It was a butt rock Thursday at One Bills Drive, and I think it <laughs> carried over into Sunday. 
you need you are offending a lot of people right now hey there's nothing wrong with butt rock but <laughs> the fact of the matter is what a sentence hey there's nothing wrong with butt rock. the fact of the matter is you've got that's what i call my prostate <laughs> <laughs> you've got that's what happens when uncle jim comes around in that weight room and I don't think you are motivating the maximum number of guys with a butt rock playlist. Hey, if you want to sprinkle in some butt rock to get some of these guys going, who do you think is most likely to be a, a butt rock hero on the Bills? Who do you think likes butt rock the most? You could probably go through the media guide and see who, who's who got Buck Cherry on their, their must play before the game. Who has Creed? Arms wide open. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say our Matt Barkley Award recipient. I was gonna, all right, we can say it's a white guy. <laughs> Probably. Right? I, is it race? Is it racist to me to blame all white guys for listening to things Creed, like to, to Buck Cherry, Nickelback? You know what it sounds like? It sounds like strip club rock. What? Yeah, Buck, like Buck Cherry. Well, yeah, Buck Cherry like, would be, but like arms wide open Nickelback. by Creed. Arms wide open by Creed. To me, man, if you're going to play Buck Cherry and then you're going to play a Creed song, which was, um, I forget what the first one was. I'd have to look it up. But then they played Arms Wide Open, and that's three songs in a row. Yeah. Oh, and you're finishing. Who's, I want to know if there's any NFL player ever who has listened to Arms Wide Open right before they take the field. Oh, there's got to be at least one. I bet you it's Blaine Gabbert. The Peter Man, maybe? That's kind of an intense song. I could see, you know, like people listen to uh, Phil Collins. Uh, that was a, that's a very popular song. Uh, the, sure, um, but that's a I can feel it or whatever. Yeah. I don't think that's the title, but it's yeah. But there's that mean drum solo in that. Yeah, song. you ever heard a mean Creed drum solo? I don't think so. It's a slow driving song. It could get you in a place. Like, there's probably a lot calm, of people listening to this that said, "I listen to Creed intense on the calm." Way to the game. I think is probably yes. something athletes want to go after. Some people in their car right now have either turned this off or they're going, "Screw you, Fairburn." If there's people out there Fairburn. that are gonna cast me aside for criticizing how much butt rock was on the weight room playlist, then so be it. Because it was not even modern butt rock. It's like early 2000s butt rock. Creed was probably, what, 90s? Oh. Anyways. Yeah. I digress. Yeah. Come on, Darlene, to whoever was in charge of that. My uh, come on, Darlene award goes to whoever is the uh, the joker in the stands that decided it was a great idea to bring a beach ball on like a 25 to 30 uh mile per hour wind day it inside the stadium there was one, at one point where cole beasley got so pissed off at the ball being on the field that he went up to it and just just cranked it with his foot to get it the hell off the field so i don't know first of all beach balls at sporting events I, i'm i'm not necessarily totally opposed i'm not in favor of it but it was an 80 plus degree day however the wind factor you got to know your surroundings. You got to know what you're walking into. And if it becomes, you know, something that fans can do in 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 the stands and then it becomes something that winds up potentially affecting a play on the field, that eh, that sucks. So, you just got to just got to be a little bit more mindful then. Nerd so, alert. So, Joby doesn't like fun. Nerd uh, alert. Uh 
Nerd alert to all the butt rock listeners out there. Fairburn hates you. How about that? I'll die on that hill. (laughs) Uh, Any last comments from Uncle Jim up there? I have a come on, Darlene, uh, but I can't say it. And it involves my uh, Saturday night. Uh, we'll get to that. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll put a pin in that. Yeah, if we'll, you will. We'll have you back next week after the uh, New England game if if you're around. I'll be around. Or whenever we're able to tell that story. How about that? Um, Planes, trains, and automobiles. Yes. Was and it, Maven. Was there a train? Well, I was on. Yeah, I was on the train. Okay. Oh, true. The the tram. Okay. But yeah, it, it's just like every. It, too much went wrong. It was comical. Now, in retrospect, at the time, yes, I would have liked uh, somebody to give me a free pass to commit a murder. <laughs> you don't want that. Just listen to some butt rock. It'll it'll help calm you. Arms wide open. Uh, I would suggest <laughs> gets you in a good mental space. Um, all right. So the Bills are three and zero on on the young season. Next up, they have a uh, they have a matchup with the. Also 3-0 New England Patriots. And right here at New Era Field, it's going to be one of the more heavily anticipated home games that I think I've been a part of. Especially with the stakes and the opponent all um, coming together all at once. So, uh, so yeah, should be fun. The next time we will speak with you all will be uh, for our subscriber-only podcast, um, which... Uh, if you haven't subscribed to The Athletic yet, go go right ahead and do so. You get an additional third episode per week. And um, and so if, if you do that, we will speak to you on Thursday. But uh, our next free episode will be available in our preview episode on Friday where uh, we break down what exactly this Bills-Patriots, uh, what this Bills-Patriots matchup entails. All right, so for Matthew Fairburn of The Athletic, my name is Joe Biscalia of The Athletic. We will uh, talk to you once uh, we get a little bit further into the week. Take care.